Good afternoon. You are listening to the South and West Asia and North Africa, the Savannah Region Radio on KPFK, and I'm Ankini Ahasian. Thanks for tuning in. Before I introduce our program for today, I want to make a quick appeal. If you haven't already made your end-of-year gift to KPFK, now is a good time to give back to the station that is as good as it gets on public radio. No corporate slant, just facts and expert discussions on the hottest topics of our day. We are powered by you, the people, and not advertisers of any type. Go to kpfk.org slash donate or call us at 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. As a nonprofit community radio station, we rely on you and our members for the largest share of our income. By giving a gift of $50 or $100 today, you make programs such as this one, Swana Region Radio, possible. Go to kpfk.org or call us at 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. And become a member. Become part of KPFK's family. And thanks for being there for us. On today's program, the war between Armenia and Azerbaijan has created a refugee crisis. Thousands of people fled Arzakh with only the clothes on their back. We will be discussing emergency humanitarian aid with Adrina Gregorian from Sources of Women NGO in the Arzakh-Armenia border city of Goris, the epicenter of the refugee crisis. Sosa's women team on the ground immediately began organizing and housing displaced women, the elderly people with disabilities, pregnant women, and children in the region. Welcome to Swana Region Radio, Adrine Gregorian. Thank you for having me. So let's first look at the extent of this crisis, how many people were displaced because of this war, uh, who is aiding them, is the government involved, So right now we're discussing the territory of Nagorno-Karabakh, which translates to mountainous black garden. The Armenian historic word for this territory is called Artsakh. That's why from now on I may use Artsakh or I may say NKR. But it is considered an autonomous oblast during the Soviet Union which operated as a semi-autonomous enclave or territory within the country of of Azerbaijan, or the Socialist Republic of Azerbaijan. At the time of the collapse of the Soviet Union, the people of NKR conducted a referendum and created autonomy and the right to self-determination, establishing the Republic of Artsakh, which case the Armenia and Azerbaijan got into war over this territory. And um, in 1994, there was already a ceasefire. The territory was claimed by Armenians and Armenians continued living it. In that area, mainly Stepanager, the city of Shushi and remaining regions On September 27, Azerbaijan, with the help of Turkey and Syrian mercenaries, unlawfully attacked ethnically Armenian Republic of Artsakh. As of late, November 9, there has been a truce 
where Russian peacekeepers are meant to keep the war at bay. However, Azerbaijan has been breaking this truce. Overall, this entire conflict has created the displacement of 140,000 ethnic Armenians from Artsakh to Armenia. One of the first stops these people make is the city of Goris. It's five hours south of the capital of Yerevan. And from there, they either decide to stay in Goris, go visit family, or find shelter in, a diverse, in another city, or return back to their homes now that the war has ceased. However, roughly 4,000 of them staying in Goris have no homes to go back to because their villages and their cities are now occupied Azerbaijani territories. Their homes have been pillaged, burned, um, nobody knows. They left with the clothing on their back and never went back to even collect their goods. Are people going back now that the Russian peacekeepers are there? Are, uh, the ones that fled the region, are they going back? The ones that fled the region are either staying in Armenia because they have no homes to go back to because they lived in cities and villages that are now under Azerbaijani control. The ones that were from territories which Armenia has retained control over, some choose to go back, some choose not to go back because it's not safe. And to clarify, the area which is the Republic of Artsakh has now ceded a percentage of its territories to Azerbaijan. It's hard to explain it over the radio, but to say that we lost one of the strategic cities, Shushi. The Azerbaijani forces, along with Syrian mercenaries, have destroyed our monasteries, our hospitals, our homes, with the use of drones and um, what they call kamikaze bombs. Again, all reflection of drone technology. Because the organization you represent, so says Women's NGO, is located in a strategic location in the Goris region, next to the border of Azerbaijan, two hours from uh, the war zone, you ended up with thousands of refugees, even though you were not set up to take care of refugees. So says Women NGO is a nonprofit organization that focuses on strengthening communities by empowering women. We run training courses, um, health education outreach, and programs like that. We work mainly in the southern region of Armenia, which is called Sunik, but we also work throughout Armenia and internationally. At the time of September 27, we were getting ready to organize a peace workshop with Azerbaijani women's activists. Uh, at the same time, we were doing a women's in the workplace empowerment training. But as people found out that we were an organization that was quite well known in the region, we started getting phone calls immediately from refugees. Like, where should they go? Where should they sleep? Um, immediately hotels and bed and breakfasts opened their doors and so did our office. 
we took in as many people as we could and we found placements for them. And just overnight, we started helping everyone who contacted us. We don't turn anyone away. And in the meantime, we were in connection with the municipality of Sunik and Ngoris, and we knew which hotels all the refugees were staying at. And so we were able to um, supply them with emergency essentials. Because when you leave with the clothes off your back, you don't think about medicine. You don't think about a winter jacket. You don't think about winter boots because you assume it may be a two day scrimmage and you'll be able to go back. No one assumed that they wouldn't go back and no one would assume that they wouldn't even go back to collect their goods. So we're supplying people with basic needs. Hygiene needs to be replenished, but the winter clothes also need to be purchased because when you're, it's sort of impossible to walk in snow when you're in your shoes for the fall. Um, another immediate need we're looking to supply is electricity and heat. So it's, you know, been very interesting, but we do regular needs assessments to reassess all situations. And luckily we've got incredible people and an incredible team and we're able to at least secure this region. Right now, the government is in a bit disarray, both in Azerbaijan, Turkey, America, Russia, and Armenia. There's been a geopolitical shift in power. And unfortunately, it's the people in the margins that suffer. And what we do as an organization is place all our energy on them and try to make this unfortunate transition, this catastrophe, as peaceful as possible so that we can eliminate a, a strong degree of post-traumatic stress. Armenia also incurred a large scale tragedy when the earthquake hit. And so I feel like we as a nation have learned a lot from the mistakes made in the, in the rebuilding after the earthquake. And so rebuilding after this war, we have a lot of experience kind of guiding us how to do it. But again, if it wasn't for needs assessment and if it wasn't for incredible people working tirelessly, putting their hearts and, and their you know physical hours just to help these people, none of this would be possible. Aldrina, you told me that the refugee situation in Armenia is unique in that the refugees are not in refugee camps. The displaced people um, are not in refugee camps. Uh, why is that? I mean, are they in uh, hotels and uh, bed and breakfast and in people's homes? And how long can they stay there? Yes, a very unique thing about Armenian culture, and that's part of our value system, is that when we are in crisis, like in such a situation, which as a nation, as people, we've been facing for thousands of years, I never thought in my lifetime I would see genocidal ideation happen. But here we are. Um, Armenia doesn't start refugee camps. Armenia opens its hotels, 
his bed and breakfasts. People take in refugees to stay in their extra bedrooms. So right now uh, we were taking care of people staying in hotels and bed and breakfasts, and also we're part of their transition into homes, rented homes, um, purchased homes, bedrooms, storage spaces, wherever they found shelter because, you know, four, five, six people staying in a hotel room isn't really realistic. And so now we're trying to find semi-permanent housing in people's homes and vacant apartments and vacant homes. Uh, it's been quite successful so far, at least in the Sunni region. Um, yeah, because uh, refugees is, a, is a, a legal term and these people qualify as refugees but they're also people. So I refer to them as people of Artsakh who happen to be displaced and they are technically refugees and we respect their dignity and their human rights. And we're doing the best to give them the easiest transit possible. You're listening to Suwana Region Radio on independent and listener sponsor KPFK, 90.7 FM Los Angeles, 98.7 FM Santa Barbara, and 93.7 FM San Diego. I am Ankina Rasian, and we're discussing the refugee crisis resulting from the Armenia-Azerbaijan war. Adrina, there was an interesting discussion about whether those displaced from Arzakh or Nagorno-Karabakh should be called refugees or internally displaced people. And it seems to me it's because those displaced are ethnically Armenian and are coming to Armenia. Yet they are crossing a border. Arzakh or Nagorno-Karabakh is an independent republic and it's also within legally within Azerbaijan's borders. So it seems to me that the right term is to call them refugee. Well, let me just give a little background about the law. Uh, the refugee, according to the 1951 Convention on Refugees, is someone who is unable or unwilling to return to their country of origin, owing to a well-founded fear of being persecuted for reasons of race, religion, nationality, membership of a particular social group or political opinion. Now, whether you want to view the Republic of Artsakh as its own country, which by law and by referendum is a republic, then they would be considered a refugee because they went from the Republic of Artsakh to the Republic of Armenia. If you want to claim that the Republic of Artsakh is really within the territories of the Republic of Azerbaijan, then these ethnic Armenians are still refugees into the Republic of Armenia. They are absolutely being persecuted for reasons of race, nationality, and membership of a particular social group. Now, I'd like to just go over the fact that the convention is both a status and a rights-based instrument and is underpinned by a number of fundamental principles, most notably non-discrimination, non-penalization, and the convention provisions, for example, are to be applied without discrimination as to race, religion, or country of origin. Essentially, this convention lays down basic minimum standards for the treatment of refugees. The more in-depth 
definition of refugee could be found on the UNHCR website. But all of this to say that these people legally are refugees and shall be treated as such. Uh, as an organization, we are inclusive and also um, very fully aware of human rights and human dignity, and we intend on treating our refugees as such. And therefore, we do all that we can to, again, offer psychological training, vocational training, food, warmth, and whatever we need to, especially um, counseling and, and social workers attending to their unique needs. Um, we're very fortunate that we have the incredible support to do this. I understand it may not be applicable to other other parts of the world. Yes, uh, and, and uh, Adrienne, how can people get in touch with Sources Women NGO if they want to help the refugees? How do they do that? You can find us at Instagram, Sources.Women.NGO, and that's spelled S-O-S-E-S dot women, W-O-M-E-N dot N-G-O. Even if you direct messages, someone will get back to you. We would really appreciate it. This work only happens because of tremendous support and effort by a lot of people. And I think you also have a Facebook page, right? We have a Facebook page. Of course, if you Google So Says Women, we should show up. Now, before we leave, we're going to air an interview you and I did with a refugee from Arzakh. To set this up for us, tell us who she is and uh, where she's from. Armina has a really interesting story. She's originally from the southern state of Armenia, which is in Sunik. I believe she was in the city of Goris, actually, where she met her husband, but her husband worked in Artsakh and she was more than happy to relocate there and start her family in Shushi. Never could we imagine that she would have to leave her apartment in a bus with, any, with no warning whatsoever, only enough time to get a couple of, a change of clothing for her child who's two years old and a bottle of water for herself. She came back to Goris and is one of the lucky ones because she had family in Goris, but she has left all of her belongings behind and has to start a life from scratch. She's also one of the very lucky ones in that her husband is still alive and wasn't killed as a casualty of the war. But it'd be nice to hear from her point of view what her, this experience has been like. And she is one of the now permanent refugees who cannot go back to their homes, their land, their cities, uh, because it's now under Azerbaijani control. They are permanently displaced. That is correct. Thank you, Adrine Gregorian, for joining us. Thank you, Ankine, for having me. And this is the interview with Armine, a refugee from Artsakh. Armine, can you describe the conditions under which you had to flee, you had to escape and come to Armenia. When the war started, we went to shelters and stayed there about two hours. I with my nine-month-old girl and my husband is working in a military service. So uh, he left the house and left us 
they are alone and were very shocked and very afraid of that situation because it was very um, difficult and non-understanding situation for me because I haven't seen war. It was very shocking for me. What's going on? But I tried not to lose myself and immediately I took some water, bread and some kind of like things, candles and went to shelters with the other people of Shushi, like my neighbors, with my neighbors of Shushi. Uh, we sheltered there and I just I just couldn't imagine what's really going on then. Then my husband uh, told me that uh, it will be safer for me to, uh, to go to Boris because my mother-in-law lives in Boris and he tried to find some kind of taxi or car because it was very difficult to find uh, like car or another transport in that situation. Maybe I will be, I will stay there and with my husband if uh, my daughter was not so little because at that time in the first days of war Shushi was not so dangerous and because they were not bombarding Shushi at first and so um, but then I decided that it will be better for my girl to leave Shushi and stay in Boris we saw that it will last like two or three days or maximum just uh, a month but uh, it was very shocking for us that it, it lasts so long mm-hmm. and at the end of the war we will lost sushi it was so, so shocking and like disgusting the situation for me because i uh, love sushi very much um, actually i have uh, i lived there two uh, years when I got married, but uh, it was very native uh, town for me. Um, so we came uh, Goris and uh, with 10 people from Artsakh, uh, they stayed in my mother-in-law's house in Goris. Just two, two families. One was my husband's friend's family and the, the one was my uh, friend's family. So we stayed in Boris uh, 20 days, as uh, it was uh, safer in Boris in, in the first uh, 20 days. After that, uh, as the war was uh, developing, uh, Boris also became um, like a little bit uh, unsafe, dangerous. So we decided to go to Yerevan and stay there some days. And I just wanted to create like safer and uh, restful place for my girl because she's so little and I thought that in Yerevan it will be very calm for her to stay there and I hope that when I will be back the war will end. So the war is uh, continuing and um, staying in Yerevan has no sense. So I returned Boris and decided to be closer to my husband until the war ends. And uh, So Armine, um uh, just to clarify to our, our audience, Sushi is a town in Artsakh, also known as Nagorno-Karabakh. Yeah, Sushi is a town in Artsakh, and uh, it's like the heart of Artsakh Sushi. And so, um, Azerbaijan just they always uh, mention that they want sushi, especially sushi from Artsakh. And they actually but, uh, no, are getting sushi right now. 
So how do you yes, feel about uh, that, surrendering your own town, surrendering your home? Uh, you, you can't go back, right? You have left all your stuff behind and you cannot return. We have no way to return back. It's, uh, it's like nonsense to think about that. Yes, uh, I, have, I have left all my things there. And thanks to Sose, I have some <laughs> clothes now. And I think uh, I'm very thankful to Sose because they helped me. And also in our municipality. And uh, we have been waiting for a good news from government that they will return sushi, but no yeah. good news. And that is something I think we need to have more conversations about. It is about loss and defeat, what defeat and surrendering your, not just home, but your entire town, city, neighborhood is, is like. Mm, unfortunately. I have no plans for future until now because I'm just waiting for my husband because he was in the army and uh, he was in Artsakh army like but now we have like problems with Artsakh army as uh, many towns aren't in Artsakh like aren't in Artsakh government. I will try to find just some work <clears throat> to to help my husband to raise my girl because it will be difficult for us now for like food, eating and the place where we'll, for example, is very cold as compared to Shushi. Our, uh, it was apartment in Shushi. It was very um, like very easy to warm in winter. But for example, in Boris, it's colder and we need extra like um, extra money, extra, you know, like, uh, gas heating and uh, in order to have a warmer winter as compared to Shushi. So we will wait. Thank you, Armine, and best wishes. Before we end this show, we want to make you an appeal again. KPFK has had a tough year. In the midst of this pandemic, it's been tough for KPFK to raise funds as a nonprofit community service radio station, we rely on you and our members for the largest share of our income. To remain independent, to remain free, we need your membership donation now. Any amount will make a difference. Please do your part by calling with a gift now at 818 985 5735. 818 985 KPFK or go to kpfk.org. Today is the last day of KPFK's Winter Fund Drive. Thanks to everyone who has already donated. We need your membership donation now. Call 818-985-5735 or go to kpfk.org. We rely on your support. Keep us on air. Keep KPFK on air. Do so by becoming a member, becoming part of KPFK's family. 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK, or go to kpfk.org. And thanks for being there for us. That's it for today's show. A special thanks to Adrine Gregorian and So Says Women NGO. This and all shows are archived at kpfk.org. 
You can also find us now on Spotify. On behalf of the Swana Region Radio Collective, I'm Ankina Agassian. Have a wonderful week.